I invite you to turn in your copies of the Scripture to Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 12, our text today will be verses 22 through uh, 47, the end of the chapter. During the reign of Darius the Persian, a record was also kept of the Levites and priests who had been heads of their fathers' houses in the days of Eliashib, Jehoiada, Johanan, and Jedua, the sons of Levi, the heads of the fathers' houses, until the days of Johanan and the son of Eliashib were written in the book of the Chronicles. And the heads of the Levites were Hashabiah, Sherebiah, Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers across from them to praise and give thanks, group altering with group, according to the command of David, the man of God. Mataniah, Bekukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmud, and Akab were gatekeepers keeping the watch at the storerooms of the gates. These lived in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, and the son of Je- uh, Josedach. And in the days of Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest, the scribe. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Nephthalites, from the house of Gilgal, and from the fields of Geba, and Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates and the wall. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right on the wall toward the refuse gate. After them went Hoshaiah and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemai, Jeremiah, and some of the priest's sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, and the son of uh, Micaiah, the son of Zuchar, the son of Asaph and his brethren, Shemaiah, Azrael, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nethanel, Judah, and Hananiah, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe went before them. By the gate, the fountain gate in front of them, they went up, up the stairs to the city of David, on the stairway of the wall, behind, beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, and I was behind them with half the people on the wall, going past the tower of ovens as far as the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate and the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two thanksgivings choir stood in the house of God likewise, and I and half the rulers with me, and the priests, Elohim, Masai, Minjamim, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, 
Also Messiah, Shemei, Eleazar, Uzzah, Jehoinanan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezra. The singers sang loudly with Jezriah, the director. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Israel was heard afar off. And at the same time, some of them, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouses for the offerings, the first fruits and the tithes, to gather them in from the fields of the cities and the portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification, according to the command of David and Solomon his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portion, portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. So ends the reading of God's Word. Let us pray together. Father in Heaven, some 400 plus years prior to our Savior's advent, your people who were in captivity were given the great privilege to not only rebuild the temple, but the city of Jerusalem and its walls by pagan kings whose hearts you turned that a blessing might be given to your people. Father, your sovereign hand governs all men, those who bow their knee to you as well as those who do not, and you turn them where you will. For this we are grateful, for we know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to your purposes. And for us, Lord, in days when it appears that great burdens are being placed on your people in persecution around the world, in, in disdain by so many. You see these things and you grieve for your people who are the apple of your eye. And you will one day rise up to put down their enemies. For you've told your son to sit at your right hand until you make a footstool of his enemies for his feet. So Father, with great joy, we look forward to your mighty hand coming against your enemies. Father, we ask that that would come first in salvation, that you would draw many to yourself, that they would turn from their sins and repent. But should they refuse and harden their hearts against you, O Lord, we pray that you would put down your enemies for the sake of your people that we might live quiet and peaceable lives before you, doing all that you've commanded us, keeping covenant in that first great covenant that you made with Adam to subdue and fill the earth. So, Father, we give thanks in these things. And as we have this example from the life of Nehemiah in those days, we pray that you would bless us in this day of, and, and season of thanksgiving that we have that we would count the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us with gratitude in our hearts and rejoice with singing. For these are the, the works of your hands that we see. 
And so help us to be grateful. And we ask this in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. Thank you for enduring my efforts at reading those names. They are difficult. Um, even for the pastor, they are very difficult. Well, having finished our study through the Old Testament prophet Joel, today we focus our attention on Thanksgiving, which is appropriate. For just a few days, we will enter into a time of feasting and, and Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoy that uh, with family and friends. Today I want us to give thought to the bountifulness of God. Uh, not just uh, in the sense of... Uh, Recounting his many blessings, but using those very blessings that he's bestowed upon us to bring thanks to his name and glory to his name. Our text today reflects a time of history, the history of God's chosen people when in the midst of captivity, God provides a bountiful blessing for his people. They were in captivity. The Babylonians had taken him into captivity initially. The Medes then conquered the Babylonians and continue that captivity. And yet two great events take place in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra the scribe. First, Ezra was given permission to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah was given permission to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem along with its wall. These events were particularly significant because Israel's captors, Cyrus and then later Artaxerxes I, kings of the Persians, sanctioned these rebuilding efforts. These men actually sanctioned these efforts. And we should not pass over the importance of this too quickly. God moved in the hearts of two pagan kings to allow His chosen people to rebuild the temple and the temple city while still in captivity. God's sovereignty reaches to every man in every age. Let me say that again. His sovereign hand reaches to every man in every age. Just as God hardened the heart of Pharaoh in the days of Moses so that he could perform a great deliverance, here God softens the hearts of two great kings, pagan kings, to be a blessing to his own people with the restoration of the temple in the city of Jerusalem. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Yet His providences are gracious and merciful and come in great bounty. It is in the midst of these great graces and mercies that He teaches us to be thankful. And here we see Nehemiah and the people of Israel showing thanks in the proper way. Today I want us to consider the ways in which God's people responded in thanksgiving to these mighty blessings of God. There are many things that could be gleaned from our passage, but I would focus our attention on just three. First, in the midst of God's blessing, our thanksgiving must be circumspect. Our thanksgiving must be circumspect. Second, Thanksgiving results in actions that employ the bounty of God's creation. Thanksgiving goads us to action. And we ought to employ God's bounty in thanksgiving. And then lastly, thanksgiving should reach to all God's covenant people and beyond with our tithe. And I'll, that, that may seem like an odd thing to consider at the time of thanksgiving, but I'll give attention to that at the end of the sermon. Well, let's begin with the circumspection 
that should have attend our thanksgiving. Beginning in verse 27, we read, Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Nephthites, I can't say it, I'm sorry, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates and the wall. Here we see the Levites were brought from all the lands to participate in thanksgiving. The spiritual heads of Israel were to act on behalf of the people in verses 27 through 29. And notice that singers had gathered around Jerusalem already. The city is being rebuilt. It's completed now, which is, by the way, if memory serves me right, only took 52 days. And this was no small feat. Even the enemies of the Israelites took note of how quickly it went up. Both the walls and the city itself and, and attributed it only to the, the grace and, and activity of God Himself. But the Levites are called by Nehemiah to come to the city. And of course the Levites were the spiritual leaders who lived throughout all of Palestine where the, the people of Israel lived and all of the various tribes. Of course many of them had gone into captivity, but now they had come back to the city to rebuild it and the temple as well. For over a hundred years, uh, Israelites had been moving back into the area, first to rebuild the temple and now the, the city. And in verse 30, all Israel was to be purified before participating in this celebration of thanksgiving. God's holiness was to be honored in the midst of thanksgiving. And the purification ritual meant that offerings had to be made on behalf of these people for their sins at the temple. Thanksgiving begins with circumspection. It begins where we need to begin before God. In repentance... And in salvation. And if, what, if, what, after all, brethren, that's our greatest need, is it not? To be brought out of darkness into light, to be given life when we're dead to God, when, to be, given, to be uh, redeemed from His wrath when that's all we truly deserve. So the circumspection of the people of God was the beginning of thanksgiving here. Then in 31 we read, the circumspection doesn't end there, just with repentance and, and uh, sacrifice for sins. Verse 31, So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand uh, on the wall toward the refuse gate. The other, and then in verse 38, The other thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, and I was behind them with half the people on the wall, going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the gate of fish, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. So they went upon the wall, they were divided into two great choirs and symphonic bands, by the way, I'll get to that in a moment. They go around the city, they march around the city with singing and thanksgiving, and they wind up where? 
So the two Thanksgivings choir stood in the house of God. Likewise, I and half of the rulers with me, and the priests which are named there. I'll not try that again. And then at the end of verse 42, the singer sang loudly with Jeshuriah the director. Have you ever thought about some of these titles that are given to these people? And, and the, that's probably the only place Jeshuriah has ever mentioned in the scripture. But he's a director. He, I, I would just like to have my name mentioned in the scripture once. <laughs> um, but I, it's not. You'll look in vain. Yours too. Unless your name Jonathan or something like that. Different Jonathan, right? Um, but here you, you get these, these, these snippets of these people. We're going to meet them one day in heaven. And if you like music, I, I would suggest you seek out this man and talk to him about this day. What did he do to prepare the people of Israel to go around the temple wall, or the, the city wall, with these great choirs and these symphonic bands? You know, what, what music did you use? Could you hum a few bars for me? You know... And then, did you have problems with some, you know, were some of them kind of like off on their own? You know, did you have to kind of hurt them in? Or were they all pretty much in sync? You know, I, I've got lots of questions for people like this. But he's just mentioned one time. And yet, he was a significant part of a significant day in our history. So... I want to meet this fellow, and I want to ask him about that day, what happened. Verse 43, also that, that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Brother, notice that in these verses that two great choirs with what appears to be two marching symphonies with cymbals, stringed instruments, and that's how we know they're symphonic, stringed instruments, harps and trumpets marched in opposite directions around the walls of the city. For what purpose? Why would you do that? God wanted them to see what He'd done. Yes, they toiled to bring back this great city and its walls, but it was God's doing of it. It was God's provision of, of allowing them to accomplish these things. Keeping their enemies at bay. Even though when they were working, the Scriptures teach us that they were to hold their weapon in one hand and their trowel or their shovel in the other. Their weapons were right at their side because the enemies of God inhabited this land and they didn't want them there. And they knew that if the city was restored, their enemy would be there permanently. So they tried to stop them. And yet, God preserved them. God has them walk around joyfully singing in the midst of this great music because He had done a great thing in their midst. And He wants them to look upon it. No doubt there were those who died in the midst of this effort. And as they walked past maybe that section where they died, there were tears shed for their lost loved ones. But at the same time, there's tears being shed for the great work God had done and the blessings that were upon them. No doubt that was the case as well. And if, as we hear great music in our own hearing, how it brings emotions to us. It, it speaks to our soul. Uh, 
often during the Christmas season, uh, our family tries to take in a, a performance of Handel's Messiah, which actually was written for Easter season, not for Christmas season, but is often played during Christmas season. And when it's done with a great orchestra, when the, those scriptural verses are sung that are set to music, it moves the soul. You cannot help but be emotional in those circumstances. And that great music has endured many centuries because it's both great music and great words. Well, there was a day many, many years ago, many centuries ago, yea, millennia ago, where great music was sung in a great city with two choirs and two symphonic orchestras playing, and this is the account of it. And that was in the midst of a time of rejoicing. Notice the circumspect nature of walking around the city, taking a bird's eye view of God's blessing. That's instructive for us. You need to take a walk around and, and take in the blessings of God and do it with rejoicing in your hearts and singing on your lips. Just as the Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving Day was begun here in our text with purifying acts, it was concluded in the temple with offerings to God. So circumspection starts at a place of repentance and ends at a place of offering in our text. These offerings were very likely a mixture of sin and peace offerings. We don't know for sure. We're not given that, that revelation here. But because of what is said, it looks like it's a mixture of both sin and peace offerings. The people of God were being circumspect with their need for cleansing, as well as their gratefulness for the peace of God that had been brought to them in the restoration of the temple and the city. And this brings us to point two. Thanksgiving employs God's bountiful creation. Music was prominent. God created music. In the earliest days of creation, it was God's creating that brought about music. Music is very important in our lives. In fact, it's so important that we, you know how familiarity breeds contempt, we don't even think about it sometimes. It's everywhere. It's in the creation itself, with the birds and the sound of the rustling leaves. The wind brings back about howling. That's a form of music. The creation itself does it. Man creates music because we are image bearers of God. We recreate because the great creator made us in his image. Instrumental music was employed here as well as choral music. Just the sound of harmony is important to the creation of God. But not just harmony, the lyrical voicing of God's revelation was important as well. The Word of God was important. And it was to be melded together with harmony. God has given us great liberty. He's given us a songbook in the Scriptures, the Psalter. 
He's given us the words. And He's given us the liberty to bring music and harmony to those wonderful words. And at the beginning of verse 44, there's an account of an offering being brought to the storehouses of God. Not only was the creation of music brought to bear at this time of thanksgiving, but there was also offerings that were brought. Brethren, the word thanksgiving is a word made up of two conjoined words. Thanks and giving. Now, we, we often think of it as uh, an act of saying thank you. That's appropriate, but that's not enough. We have to give more than that, because God has given us more than that. Our giving of thanks is not merely from our lips and our fingers, songs and instruments, in this case, as is evidenced in our passage, but from our abundance as well. God wants us to give and offering back to Him. Our giving of thanks must meet the test of Christ's two great commandments. To love the Lord with all our hearts and our neighbors as ourselves. That's what true thanksgiving does. It evidences both of those great commandments. And we should give thanks to God and then show forth our thanks to Him with the bounty He has entrusted to us by tithing to Him by faith. And this brings us to our last point, which is touched on here in the passage, but is much more evident in other places in Scripture. Our thanksgiving ought to include tithing. Here in our passage, in verse 44, two great concepts are linked. Let's read that verse. At the same time, meaning at the same time that all of this is happening this day of Thanksgiving at the same time when these choirs have now gone around the, the city walls. Jerusalem is being seen from a bird's eye view by the people of God. Rejoicing is taking place. At the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the first fruits and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portion specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. As all this is taking place, some people were sent at the storehouses. And people from all, all of Israel were coming and giving offerings to God. And they're being stored up in the storehouses for the priests and the Levites. Thanksgiving and tithing were taking place at the same time. They were conjoined. They were linked. This is interesting. Let me ask this question. Does this occur anywhere else in the Scriptures? Where we see thanksgiving and tithing occurring at the same time? Well, I've preached on a passage so many times I chose not to today, but... One of my favorite passages in all the scriptures is Deuteronomy 14. And so there we see thanksgiving and tithing happening at the same time. So if you want to turn with me there, I'm going to be reading verses 22 to 29 from Deuteronomy chapter 14. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where He chooses to make His name abide. 
The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil, of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. But if the journey is too far for you, so that you're not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord God chooses to put His name is too far from you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money, take the money in your hand, and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. And at the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates, may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. This was a commandment from God. This wasn't a, a suggestion. This wasn't a maybe. You, this might be a good idea. God is commanding this to His people. Bring a tithe and feast in My presence. For what purpose? That I may teach you to fear the Lord your God. Now why would that be a fearful thing for the Lord, to, for the people of Israel? Consider this, brother. They're to take a tenth of all of their increase. One-tenth. They're to leave 90% of it at home, unguarded, unguarded, in the midst of a place where there are enemies. They're to take that tent to Jerusalem and feast on it. And actually, it appears from the passage, if you look a little more carefully at the passage on both sides, they're to stay there until it's done, until they've consumed that tent, and then go walk back home. Is that an act of faith? To leave 90% back home, unguarded, and to go with a tenth to consume it? Who's going to protect that 90% back home? God Himself. God is our high tower, our fortress, our stronghold, our deliverer. He keeps our enemies away. And yet we don't even see it. But He calls us to act by faith in the midst of our enemies. And that was the case with the people of Israel. Notice that they were to, they were to be lavish about this. You know, we come from Scotch-Irish, Dutch heritage. You know, we, it's said of us that we pinch the pennies until Lincoln cries. Well, God says, I've lavished you with salvation in my presence, when you bring your tithe to do this kind of feasting, you should do it lavishly. Why? You're to bear my image before the world. What I've shown you in grace and mercy, I want you to show the world. How do I know that? The end of the passage. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out of the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion, nor inheritance with you. And the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are 
within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all of the work of the hand which you do. In that year of completion, there, there are different years of completion in the Scripture, 3, 5, 7, 12, 40, different years described like that throughout the Scriptures. Three is one of them. I suspect it reflects the Trinity being the complete Godhead. In that third year, I want you to bring the stranger, the widow, and the orphan who are within your gates. I, I don't, don't just leave the servants back. Back home, bring them with you. Everybody comes. Brethren, this is a picture, a picture of redemption. God starts with a group of small people, Abraham and his family, to bring about salvation, but it grows to the whole world. The Gentile world is included, and it's enveloped into this called out people. And God is saying, Bring them with you, because they're going to be part of this. Here there is feasting taking place with a tenth of the increase, a tithe, in the place where God's name was to abide. And where was that place? In the days of Nehemiah? Jerusalem, the restored city of peace. That's what the word Jerusalem means, city of peace. With the priests and the Levites included, and the strangers within their gates. Brethren, thanksgiving should be a corporate act with God's chosen people and the strangers within their gates. In a few days, you're going to sit down to a Thanksgiving feast, I hope. Some may be traveling, I understand that. It may not happen exactly on Thursday. For others, it will be Thursday, and some will be earlier in the day, others later in the day. Include the stranger and the widow and the orphan. Don't neglect those who are by themselves. Show the grace of God to them, that they too might learn to fear the Lord our God. In the midst of a feast. Now, some people have said, do I have to do a tithe on Thanksgiving Day? Do I have to spend that much? I guess not. But think of it this way. Be lavish because God has lavished His graces upon you. Do it with thanksgiving in your hearts because God opens up wide His blessings to His people. He is open-handed. He's not stingy. He's not a curmudgeon. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And we are to proclaim that to the world. And we can do it easily on Thanksgiving Day. So I commend to you, brother, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do it with great abundance on Thursday. And include those who are outside the covenant people with you, that they too might learn to fear the Lord our God. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example of thanksgiving in the day of Nehemiah, when you did great works. We thank you for the circumspect approach 
that Nehemiah called the people of Israel to take, where they rejoiced with great singing using the created gifts that you've given them, both with their hands, with instrumentation, and their voices in song. Father, we thank you that they brought to the storehouse a tithe, recognizing that you are the giver of all good and perfect gifts. We thank you that they walked the walls of Jerusalem and looked down upon that great blessing that you had given them with the perspective that you have, Lord, as you look down upon us and see so much more than just our mere circumstance in each moment of each day. They saw the handiwork of God over the previous 52 days where you raised up an entire city with your blessing. Father, we thank you that you are a God who calls a people unto yourself and that you've accounted us in that number. Father, if there are any here today who have not put their faith and trust in you for salvation, I pray that today would be the day that they would bow their knee to a great and awesome God who gives so generously, who brings men to salvation and turns their hearts from stone to flesh. Father, I pray that if there are any here today whose hearts are hard, that today they would be made fleshy and soft. That they would turn from their sin and turn to you by faith. Father, we pray also and give thanks for all the many bountiful blessings you've bestowed upon us, your people. In this year and previous years, we thank you for our congregation, for the work you're doing in us and with us at Trinity. And we pray, Father, that you would continue that great work. You've given us a great reach in this community. And we pray that we would be good stewards of that great reach. That we would be leavened, that leavens the entire geographical area. That we would be proclaimers of this good news of Christ. And that we would feast in your presence, learning to fear you all the more. And have others join with us that they too might learn to fear you. Help us to be generous. Father, your generosity to us is countless. We cannot number the good things you've done for us and in us and through us. So help us to be open-handed as you have been with us. And we might share these great gifts that have been entrusted to us to share those with others. And help us to proclaim that good news. Help us to do it in song as your people did in the days of Nehemiah. Father, we pray for our congregation for this day, this week of Thanksgiving that's upcoming. Help us to sing your praises in the midst of, us, of it. Help us to draw attention to what you have done for us. And not be so arrogant as to think these things have been done by our own hands. But rather the good gifts and perfect gifts that come down from the Father of lights who's in heaven. So help us to give thanks you. Father, we pray for those in authority over us. We pray that they would be men who bow their knee to your Son, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, 
Men who do justice, who love mercy and walk humbly before you. Father, for those who have yet to bow their knee to you, we pray for their salvation. Each day they have breath, you've been merciful to them. And Father, we pray that you would give them, goad their hearts, give them hearts of flesh over the hearts of stone, that they might govern men aright in the example of our Lord. But should they refuse in their obstinance, Lord, should their hearts be hardened as Pharaoh's heart was hardened, we pray, Father, that you would remove them by your sovereign hand and replace them with men who bow their knee to your son. Father, we pray and give thanks for the witness that we have here in Ludlow. We pray that it would be efficacious to the calling of many to your side. We pray also for our broader witness throughout the region, Lord. Help us to be good stewards of the message of the gospel and to not wince at the opportunities to share that gospel, but to be bold to give it away freely that others might come to you. And we commit these things to your care. And now we join our voices together in the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples. Praying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.